The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoar, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 19th, 2020, on the basis of 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. People are willing to put up with quite a bit as long as they know that the end is in sight. I think that's what made that news that we received this week so difficult to hear. You see, for five whole weeks now, the people of our state, just like people all over the country, have been dealing with these unprecedented changes that have been made in our lives. And just as we were perhaps beginning to think that the end was near, that maybe the end was in sight, no, this week we found out that things are going to continue as is for at least another six weeks. Now, regardless of what you might think about the wisdom or the necessity of that, I'm guessing that when you heard that news, you didn't exactly jump for joy. You see, that's sort of the nature of this powerful little thing that we started talking about last week and are going to keep talking about throughout Easter. That's sort of the nature of hope. People are willing to put up with a lot as long as they know that things are going to get better. But they also need to know the details. They need to know when, and they need to know how. They're perfectly willing to walk down the path of that dark tunnel as long as that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel is somewhere in view. And that presents what probably seems like a bit of a challenge when it comes to the hope that Easter delivers. The focus for our worship throughout the season of Easter is that hope is alive. No matter how bad things get, and even when everything else fails, as long as Jesus is alive, hope is still alive. But what are the details of that hope? For example, if right now you are filled with worry and fear over the uncertainty of your future, when is that going to change? If you're filled with feelings of, of loneliness and isolation, maybe more than you normally are, when are those feelings going to go away? If you're filled with feelings of bitterness and anger, because really all of life has been one big disappointment and this whole pandemic and shutdown is kind of just the cherry on top, when are things finally going to turn around? If all of our hope is tied up with Jesus, then what does that say about that light at the end of the tunnel that is so important for us to see? Well, this morning, the Apostle Peter is going to deliver to us some news that might be even more difficult to hear than the news we received this past week. Yes, because Jesus is alive, we have been put on a path, so to speak, where there are very much better days ahead, better days in store for us. But this path isn't one where we will reach the destination in a matter of six weeks. This path isn't one where the destination can sort of be gradually approached over the course of three incremental phases that get laid out for us by our public health officials. No, the reality is that the light at the end of this tunnel might be much farther away than that. And the reality is that we really don't even know how far away it is because we can't even see it quite yet. As we look at these verses from 1 Peter this morning, we're going to see that Easter has put us on a path whose end is nowhere in sight. Really, from the moment our lives begin, we're on one sort of path or another. In fact, 
We sometimes talk about people being born into certain things. A person might be born into wealth or born into poverty, born into fame or born into status. We're born already starting off on a certain path. Well, Peter tells us that when we come to faith in Jesus, it's as if we are born a second time. It's as if our lives start completely over and we are put on a brand new path. Peter says that we are born into a living hope. We are put on a path where there are better days ahead. Then Peter goes on to explain what that better, brighter future looks like. He says that we have been born into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. He also says that we have been born into the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So on the one hand, this future that is in store for us includes receiving something good, receiving this incredible inheritance, an inheritance that can never be destroyed and never be spent down. On the other hand, this future also includes escaping everything bad, a salvation, a a dramatic rescue from the broken world in which we live. The path that we are on means that that's the future in store for us. But did you notice what Peter said about that inheritance and about that salvation? One is being kept in heaven. One is prepared to be revealed at the last day. In other words, neither one of them is going to be ours in this life. So yes, there is a a light at the end of the tunnel, a, a brilliant, magnificent light, but that light is nowhere in view. Easter puts us on a path whose end is nowhere in sight. And that perhaps makes that very first word that Peter uses in these verses sound a bit strange. Peter says, praise. Praise God that he has put us on this path. But you know, when we stop and think about it, we might be tempted to do just the opposite. We might be tempted to criticize God for putting us on this kind of path. So God, you're, you're telling me that really the one big thing that I have to look forward to doesn't even come until my life is completely over? There's nothing else sooner than that? Nothing else in the meantime that you can promise or guarantee me? Just some unknown, indefinite future? That's nice and all, but, but what good does that do me right now? Well, I'll tell you what good it does. What if the moment in our lives when we could honestly and accurately say that everything was exactly how we wanted it to be was a moment that we actually reached during our lives here on earth? What if we had the job that we always wanted and the family that we always wanted and the house that we always wanted and the second house that we always wanted and the car and the boat and the garage full of other toys that we always wanted? What if everything that we ever dreamed of, everything that ever captured our imagination was in fact a reality? What if we could honestly and accurately say about our lives at any given moment, this is as good as it could possibly get? As nice as that sounds, what would that then say about your future? If this is as good as it gets, then going forward, it can only get worse. If we somehow reach the very top of the mountain, then going forward, we can only go downhill. In fact, if at any point we actually possess everything that we've ever dreamed of, do you know what we don't possess at that point? We don't possess any hope. 
Hope is gone. There is no better, brighter future for us to look forward to. At that point, hope is dead. And that's a terrible way to live. In fact, experience sort of shows that that's an impossible way to live. When someone does actually achieve whatever it is that all their lives they've been dreaming of, do you know what happens more often than not? Almost without fail, they find it to be hugely disappointing. Not nearly what it was cracked up to be. And almost without fail, they immediately set about trying to achieve something else. They define for themselves a new kind of hope. You see, the reality is that from the moment our life begins until the moment our life ends, we are always in need of hope. And friends, that's exactly what Easter delivers to us by setting us on a path whose end is nowhere in sight. It means that no matter how good life gets, and let's be honest, sometimes it gets pretty good, no matter how good life gets, at no point will we be able to say, this is as good as it gets. At no point will we be able to say that we have reached the very top of the mountain. There will always be better days in store for us. That's why Peter says we have been born into a living hope. Because Easter has set us on a path whose end is nowhere in sight, Easter delivers to us a hope that never dies. But you know, if you ask me, that isn't the biggest objection we might raise about this path God has put us on. That isn't the biggest reason we might find to actually criticize him for putting us on that path. I mean, sure, it's, it's nice that no matter how good life gets, there are always better days lying ahead of us. But what about when the opposite is true? What about when everything goes wrong in our lives? Again, is this sort of saying that, that God's response to that situation is simply to say, well, you'll just have to wait until you get to heaven. In the meantime, too bad, so sad. I, I guess you can suck it up. You can grin and bear it. You're just going to have to be miserable until you actually get there. No, God doesn't say that at all. In fact, here's what Peter actually says. Peter says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what does this hope offer us when everything in life goes wrong? Well, Peter tells us that every trial that we face is like a test, a test that reveals the true value of our faith. So if on the one hand, we are walking down life's path and rather than continuing to put our hope in what remains out of sight, we instead get distracted by what we can see. In fact, we start living for and hoping in what we can see. In fact, maybe even at some point we stop walking down that path and say, this is as good as life can possibly get. Well, then what happens when everything goes wrong? What happens when those trials hit? What happens when the job is here one day and then gone the next? What happens when the mortgage on your dream house or on your lake house is no longer affordable? What happens when that boat in the garage stays in the garage all summer because the boat ramp to your favorite lake is still closed? What happens when the sports season 
and the prom and the graduation are just gone in the blink of an eye. Peter is saying that those trials are like tests that reveal the worth of our faith. And so if we have been living for and hoping in those kinds of things, then those trials are going to reveal that that kind of faith really isn't worth much at all. But if, on the other hand, as we walk through this path of life, no matter how good life gets, we, we just keep walking. Sure, we enjoy all of those wonderful blessings from God for as long as they last, but we never start living for them. We never start hoping in them. Then what happens when everything goes wrong? Then, too, those trials, each and every one is like a test that reveals the worth of our faith. And if we've never been living for and never been hoping in those things in the first place, then when those trials hit, as Peter says, our faith will be revealed as being worth more than even gold. That's why Peter says that we can rejoice. We can rejoice always. We we can rejoice no matter what with an inexplicable and inextinguishable joy. Why? Because we know that Every single trial, no matter how tough it is, will only reveal the priceless nature and the priceless value of our faith in Jesus. If there's anything that we've learned over the course of the past five weeks, perhaps it's the value of tests and being able to see the results of those tests. I mean, what if suddenly this week every man, woman, and child in the entire state of Wisconsin could be tested for the coronavirus, and we could see instantly the results of those tests. What if we could test to see all who are infected with this virus and therefore need to be isolated? What if we could test to see those who've already had the virus and thus are immune? We wouldn't need to quarantine the whole state. We could instead, in many ways, probably return to life as normal. Tests and being able to see the results of those tests are incredibly valuable. And Peter says that's exactly what trials do. They're like tests that reveal the worth of our faith. Those tests are going to reveal the shame and the folly of a faith that is living for and hoping in only the things that we can see. But those same tests are going to reveal the honor, the glory, the praise, and the wisdom of a faith that lives for and hopes in what remains out of sight. That's why this path that Easter puts us on is not just a path that delivers to us a hope that never dies. It also delivers to us a joy that never runs out. Sounds like a great path, doesn't it? In theory, at least. I say in theory because I I think there are at least two additional big questions that need to be asked about this path that Easter puts us on. First of all, as we look at how Peter describes this path and then compare it to the evidence that we see in our own lives about the path that we're on, do they even match up? I don't know about you, but it doesn't take me a whole lot of work to look at my life and conclude that this path, in many ways, doesn't look anything like the one I'm on. When I think about the ways that I spend my time and the ways I spend my money, the ways I use my energy, when I think about the things that cause stress and anxiety, the things that cause me to lose sleep at night or lose my temper with my family, so many of them are things that are based on the life that I can see right now in front of my face instead of that life that remains out of sight. 
So even if this path sounds nice in theory, is this path my path? And then even if it is, how can I be certain that the end of this path, this wonderful, brilliant light at the end of the tunnel, even exists? I mean, that, that inheritance, it's being kept up in heaven. And that salvation is not going to be revealed until the last day. And the results of those tests that every trial conducts in our life, those results are not going to be revealed until Jesus himself is revealed. So how can we be certain that everything that is promised to us will one day be delivered? That everything that Peter says is off in our future will one day be in our present? Well, that's why it's so important that Easter is what has put us on this path. Peter says that we have been born again into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The thing that both establishes the existence of this path and puts us on that path is Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Easter, first of all, means that being on that path doesn't depend on our merit. It instead depends only on God's mercy. And if there's one thing that Easter proves... One thing that God's willingness to send his son to live and to die and to rise from the dead proves to us it's that God's mercy, as Peter says, is in fact great. That same resurrection from the dead also proves to us that the end of the path that Peter describes here is in fact real. Yes, we love and we believe in a Jesus whom we don't see. In fact, one whom we have never seen. But that doesn't mean our faith is totally blind. That doesn't mean that this idea that better days are ahead is nothing more than wishful thinking for us. Yes, we believe in a Jesus that we have not seen, but we believe in a Jesus that others have seen. No, we are not witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, but others are. It's exactly as Jesus told Thomas in today's gospel. There are some who believed in Jesus because they saw. And because they saw, it is possible for us who have not seen to also believe and as a result be blessed. Yes, Easter puts us on a path whose end is nowhere in sight, but Easter puts us on a path whose end is absolutely certain. So yes, it does sound like a nice path. (laughs) And not just in theory. Easter addresses every objection Easter answers every question. And so there's really nothing left to do but exactly what Peter does in these verses. To say, just as he says, praise God that this path is our path. Amen. Amen.